return, on the other hand, I'm afraid I'll have to wait until the Black Lodge freezes over. The 18-hour David Lynch-Mark Frost series ended Sunday, continuing the groundbreaking TV story they had begun in 1990. And I'm leaving this new one just as perplexed and conflicted as when I started watching. But you have to give David Lynch points, at least, for consistency. The original Twin Peaks on ABC ended with Special Agent Dale Cooper's body being inhabited by a mysterious look-alike, with Audrey Horne's fate completely unresolved, and with Laura Palmer's ghostly presence continuing to haunt the entire Enterprise. Twin Peaks The Return ended exactly the same way on all three counts. It even deepened the dreamlike state that the show was so expert at concocting. For the last half of the final hour, we watched Cooper watching another version or two of his own existence, a dream within a dream, ending with one final nightmare. I should resent all this wheels-within-wheels trickery, but I don't. When the sequel reset Twin Peaks to zero by showing once again the opening scenes of the original pilot, but this time without the discovery of the dead body of Laura Palmer wrapped in plastic, it was kind of thrilling. And when Lynch himself, playing FBI agent Gordon Cole, delivered some ridiculously convoluted exposition, after an equally ridiculous long pause, I knew I was supposed to be amused and not take any of this too seriously. Now listen to me. For 25 years, I've kept something from you, Albert. Before he disappeared, Major Briggs shared with me and Cooper his discovery of an entity, an extreme negative force called in olden times, Zhao Dei. Over time, it's become Judy. Like the original Twin Peaks, this new one leaves us hanging. And I'm not expecting any more episodes to arrive, or, if they do, to make things any clearer. But once again, Lynch and company took us on an incomparable and sometimes unforgettable ride. David Bianculi teaches TV and film history at Rowan University and is the author of The Platinum Age of Television, From I Love Lucy to The Walking Dead, How TV Became Terrific. If you'd like to catch up on Fresh Air interviews you missed, like our interviews with John Le Carre and Loudon Wainwright, or our 30th anniversary retrospective, which we broadcast all last week, check out our podcast. Fresh Air's executive producer is Danny Miller. Our interviews and reviews are produced and edited by Amy Sallett, Phyllis Myers, Sam Brigger, Lauren Krenzel, Heidi Simon, Teresa Madden, Muj Zaidi, and Thea Chaloner. I'm Terry Gross. Support for NPR comes from this station and from Mathnasium and its Learning Center franchisees, committed to the idea that when kids understand math, they enjoy it and do more of it, leading to mastery. There are 700 Mathnasium Learning Centers. 
Locations at mathnasium.com. And from Whole Foods Market, with sandwich ingredients, snacks, and other lunchbox staples available in stores. Whole Foods Market. We believe in real food. I'm Lloyd Wright, president of WFYI, asking you to help us help the victims of Hurricane Harvey. This Thursday through Saturday, donations will be collected at four different Indy locations. Victims of the storm need some essential items, so we've joined Hoosiers Helping Houston to make donations easy to pick up and load up. The American Red Cross of Central Indiana is seeking these five items, bottled water, diapers, baby wipes, juice, and prepackaged snacks. Visit HoosiersHelpingHouston.org for more information. Thanks for your help. NPR's Fresh Air is made possible on 90.1 WFYI and WFYI.org by your sustaining membership and by Stoll, Keenan, Ogden, committed to helping clients solve complex legal issues for 120 years. More information at skofirm.com. And by Whitewater Valley Railroad, celebrating over 40 years operating excursions and special events, including Valley Flyer trips to Metamora and the Twilight Limited train to dinner. More at whitewatervalleyrr.org. You're listening to WFYI-FM Indianapolis, simulcast in cooperation with Indiana State University and Franklin and Wabash Colleges on WISU-FM Terre Haute, WFCI-FM Franklin, and WNDY-FM Crawfordsville. I'm John Crawl. Next month, WFYI, along with all other PBS stations, will begin airing the highly anticipated Ken Burns' Lynn Novick Vietnam documentary. In anticipation of that event, we're going to talk about the Vietnam War and its legacy today on No Limits. We'll discuss the war that ended more than 40 years ago and why it still fascinates and divides Americans. And we'll take a look at the upcoming IPBS Texas Tenors tribute to Vietnam veterans. My guests are... Ron Sukunik, Vice President of the local chapter of Vietnam Veterans of America, and IPBS Marketing and Event Coordinator Barbara Duke-Sams. Please join the conversation. Call us at 866-476-3881. Now, this news. Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. Fuel shortages are the immediate concern in Florida, where tens of thousands of motorists are cramming onto major highways to find a safe place to ride out Hurricane Irma. Governor Rick Scott says the state is coordinating with government agencies and oil companies to help make supplies accessible as quickly as possible. We know fuel is very important, and we're absolutely devoting every state resource to addressing this, and we're talking to the federal government about their support. The Category 5 storm is still on track to strike South Florida by Sunday. The storm's top winds are down slightly to 175 miles per hour, but Governor Rick Scott says it's life-threatening. One of the most powerful hurricanes ever recorded in the Atlantic, and that is Irma, left a trail of destruction across the Caribbean. At least 10 people were killed, and the damage in Barbuda, St. Martin, the British Virgin Islands, is widespread. Miguel Santiago of member station WRTU in San Juan, Puerto Rico, says the island was spared the worst of it. To be honest, most of the island pretty surprised that we didn't have the damages that were expected. You know, um, we saw on social media how Barbados and, you know, the, the U.S. Virgin Islands wound up. So right now, the biggest problem we have, most of the island is without power. Some part of the island is without water, but to be honest, compared with the things that we expected, we're actually, most of the island is pretty grateful. Miguel Santiago reporting. Meanwhile, the Texas and Louisiana Gulf Coast is in full recovery mode from Hurricane Harvey. And Pierre Scott Detroit reports the bill sending Harvey relief funding to the region is now double in size. On Wednesday, the House passed a nearly $8 billion measure for emergency relief. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has now added an additional $7 billion. The new total is still just a sliver of the expected cleanup cost, which will likely top $100 billion. But federal responders are burning through money, and congressional leaders hope to have this to President Trump's desk by the end of the week. Because of a deal the president struck with top Democrats, the hurricane aid package will now also extend the debt ceiling and fund the federal government into December. 
Scott Detrow, NPR News. Well aware that Irma is on the way, SpaceX launched a classified payload this morning from Cape Canaveral, Florida. Rick Lasby of member station WFIT has the latest. With the weather forecast growing ominous as Hurricane Irma approaches, SpaceX managed to launch a Falcon 9 rocket on a mission for the U.S. Air Force. The rocket lofted the X-37B mini shuttle into orbit around the Earth. The secret of X-37B is similar to NASA's space shuttle design, but about one quarter the length. The mini shuttle's purpose and activities are classified. That's Rick Lasby reporting from Melbourne, Florida. You're listening to NPR News. Welcome to No Limits. I am John Crawl, director of Franklin College's Pulliam School of Journalism, publisher of the StatehouseFile.com, and your host. Today we're going to be talking about, first, the Indiana Public Broadcasting Station's event, Salute, which features the Texas Tenors in honor of Vietnam veterans. That is going to broaden into a larger discussion of the Vietnam War and its legacy, why it continues to fascinate us and in some ways still divide us as Americans. This is in anticipation of the new Ken Burns, Len Novick film on the Vietnam War, which is going to be airing on WFYI and I think every PBS station in October Ken Burns' documentaries in the world of public broadcasting are not just movies. They are events. So this is, this is a big deal. If you want to join the conversation, particularly uh, if you want to share your memories of the Vietnam years, please give us a call at 866-476-3881. You can send an email to nolimits at wfyi.org. You can find us on Facebook at No Limits WFYI. Or track us down on Twitter at WFYI. My guests are Ron Sukinik. He is the vice president of the local chapter of Vietnam Veterans of America and IPBS marketing and event coordinator and actually longtime member of the WFYI corporate development team here, Barbara Duke-Sams. Welcome to both of you. Thank you, John. Thank you. to be here. It's good to have both of you here. So, Barbara, I'm going to start with you. Okay, great. Let's talk about the salute, the Texas tenors, and then from there I want to talk about the larger issue. Well, uh, the event was actually conceived in my mind when I was working at WFYI and attending a PBS annual meeting. I got inspired by the the thought of the Ken Burns documentary, The Vietnam War, and decided that Indiana probably needed to do something in conjunction with that and came up with the idea for IPBS stations to do a salute to Vietnam veterans in conjunction with the airing of the documentary. And I also happen to really like the Texas tenors. So the combination of the Texas tenors, who do a great uh, job of honoring veterans, and the preview of the Ken Burns documentary make for an amazing event to say thank you to our veterans who have served. Okay, so talk to me about logistics here, when when all of this starts, when, when people can see it. Okay. Actually, they can join us for Salute next Wednesday mm-hmm. at 7.30 p.m., and uh, tickets are available on eventbrite.com, Salute, IPBS Salute. Um, then the following Sunday night, Ken Burns' documentary starts airing. And it, it will be, re- so it's September 17th when the documentary actually starts. And it will be repeated several times, I am sure, on all the PBS stations. So check your local listings if you're not right here. Um, but you can tune in to WFYI to see it starting next Sunday night. And how much are the tickets for the salute? Uh, tickets range anywhere from 30 to $50. There's a military discount. But right now what we're doing, too, is we are honoring the those who are currently serving, currently serving in the mm-hmm. military by offering them free tickets. They need to use a promo code USA on the Eventbrite site, and they can get in for free. And why, why is it uh, – I'm trying to ask this question in a way that doesn't – why <laughs> – why is there such an imperative to offer a salute like this and honor someone? I'm trying to do this neutrally. I understand right, the reason right. to draw you. Well, and, and one the, I'm from that era. I yeah. grew up in the Vietnam era and was in high school and going to college. And, and, and when everybody – when it was going on, you didn't pay much attention to it, really, it, in some worlds. You did if you were in the military, of course. And so the objective— Or if you were of draft age. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. And so uh, my, compo- my, my compelling story on this is that I feel like the veterans, when they were coming home, didn't get the honor they were deserved. And they f- 
feel that way. And Ron will talk about that a little bit more than I can. But I wanted to do something that said thank you. You know, mm-hmm. whether you agreed with why we were there and what we were doing, we still need to say thank you. And that's what this event is all about. So, Ron, is it meaningful? Um, it's you very, know, 50 it, years after the yeah, fact? It, that it, people it's are very meaningful. Thankful. In Good. fact, the 50th anniversary celebration started in 2012. Mm-hmm. It, it'll go on for 13 years and in two, 2025. Mm-hmm. And all the celebration was about was, hey, look, we didn't, we didn't like the military when you came back. People mm-hmm. hated the military. Protests. Uh, nobody ever said thank you for your service as we love the military today and, and mm-hmm. appreciate it. So, you know, what this does for Vietnam veterans is it it helps us feel good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Look, it it was 50 years ago, John. I know. Uh, I I came back. I went there in 68 and got back in 69. And, you know, I'd never had any issues with it. But the fact is that some Vietnam veterans still have issues. They they were very upset about it. Some, Some of them are still suffering from either... The concept of moral injury, things that they did mm-hmm. that wasn't what their moral beliefs were about. But, yeah, I think this is great what public broadcasting is doing, uh, a salute to Vietnam veterans. And I, I think anybody that's listening that, that can actually come out to this event, uh, all you're going to do is just uh, help people feel good. And, and some people still need to get that, that good feeling. Now, you say you went in, in 68 and came yeah, back yeah. in 69. You talk a little bit about your service. Um, yeah, I, I could. I, I joined the Army in, in November 1967. Hmm. Then I ended up delivering jet fuel up and down the Mekong Delta in South Vietnam in 68, 69. I got out, and then I went back in and retired from the United States Army Reserve. Cause, and, and the reason why I went in, John, was, you know, I wasn't drafted. I joined. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is it just seemed like the right thing to do. So I felt somewhat patriotic. A friend of mine actually came up to me and she said, well, you're going in at the wrong time. I said, well, what makes this wrong? She says, well, there's a war going on or a conflict. Mm-hmm. I said, well, uh, but maybe maybe my country, you, you know, the fact, John, I think is not everybody wants to be a radio talk show host or a doctor or <laughs> a dentist. wasn't something I planned either, but it happened. <laughs> and not everybody wants to serve in the military. And, and yeah. when you think about it, Less than 3% of our population has ever served since mm-hmm. World War II. Today, you've got one half a percent protects the freedom for 99.5% of this country. In, in the state of Indiana now, we have 145,000 uh, Vietnam veterans in our state. So uh, I want to go back to that period because it gets into actually giving us a window into why this remained such a volatile time for people to talk about in our in our history because it 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 will still um, provoke some strong reactions from people if you Correct. talk about about Vietnam, including I might add about veterans. I mean, you mentioned the fact that some of them, you know, have lingering doubts about what they did uh, while they were there. When you enlisted uh, in November of nineteen sixty seven. Uh, that was right around the time that the the war um, accelerated. You know, it was right around the time of the Tet Offensive. Correct, correct. Uh, did that play any role in in your thinking, um, or you know? No, I I don't know that it did. I, look, I was I was eighteen years old, John. I was looking for something to do. Uh, I you know I had a life. But I, I, it just seemed like my, my brother went into the military. He also served in Vietnam. Okay. He's four years older. So he's my older brother. And I, I said to myself, wow, if my older brother will serve, why wouldn't I serve? So it just seemed like the thing to do. And, and to be honest with you, John, it, uh, I, I think I've made a good decision to do mm-hmm. what I did. Uh, and it feels good. And, and every time I meet somebody, they, you know, many times they'll say thank you for your service. Unfortunately... Mm-hmm. Nobody ever said it at the time we came back. Uh, we never had the resources at that time. But it always feels good when somebody says thank you. But but I, I want to point out to the listening audience that it, it's a privilege to be mm. able to serve this country. And so, again, it was simple. Uh, it, it, look, when you're a little kid, you grow up playing Army, and you're playing with guns. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe girls are playing with dolls, but mm-hmm. but girls, and I shouldn't even say that. I, the main thing is, it just seemed like the thing to do. I did it. It came back. Uh, nobody ever spit on me, even though a lot of Vietnam vets experienced that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have the resources we have today. A lot of them were hanging in the wind. A lot of them were just uh, being bashed upon. Uh, 
and we have members in our chapter locally that uh, are still upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, I say to myself, oh, that was 50 years ago. Okay, I, I think we can get over it because uh, I've been over it. I, I served and I did what I did and I get my rewards to know that I made a contribution. We are talking about uh, the Vietnam War, its legacy in anticipation of the highly anticipated documentary that's coming up from Ken Burns and Len Novick that will be airing here on WFYI's TV side and all PBS stations. If you want to join the conversation, please give us a buzz at 866-476-3881. Send us an email at nolimits at wfyi.org. Find us on Facebook at nolimitswfyi or on Twitter at wfyi. So, and I, part of the thing, I, reason I'm, I'm diving into this is they always get upset if I, I make a reference to my age over the air, but I think <laughs> anyone who looks at my photo can realize that this past spring was not my first one. So, <laughs> so, um, okay. uh, and I remember those years too. Uh, I was a, a little younger. Um, you know, the war ended when I was in high school, the, you know, the, the last, but I can remember that, that it was just sort of this background tapestry if you were alive then in American life, especially from about the time <laughs> you enlisted Ron until the end. It seemed like this conflict that, you know, absorbed the entire nation uh, and that really we couldn't figure out what to make of it, how we were going to resolve it. One of the tragedies that you've referred to is obviously that the people who who were blameless in this the the soldiers even if you disagreed with the national policy they did what they were they were told to do and they served the country it didn't seem like it made sense to, yeah. to be honest look 58,724 people have died mm-hmm. the state of indiana right now has 50 50 veterans that were in that conflict that are still either prisoners of war or certainly missing in action mm-hmm. so that's why we we still honor that memory but um it just didn't seem like it made sense. I mean, think about it. The French got beat up pretty bad in the mm-hmm. 50s, mid-50s. We went in as military advisors. We'd like to think that the Vietnam era was from 1961 up to 75. So anybody that's ever served at that time, uh, whether it's in-country or during that era, are mm-hmm. considered, you know, they can be part of Vietnam Veterans of America. But it, it didn't seem like it made sense. But we just did what we were told to do. You know, when you raise your hand and you're upholding the, the constitution of this country, uh, believe it or not, it goes before family and faith mm-hmm. uh, to protect this country. So that's what I did. And, and, I, and I was a combat support guy. So it's not like we mm-hmm. go over there to fight and try to kill people. Uh, we don't even like to talk about it. But some people did. And it's been affecting them ever since. Ever since. What do you, when you guys get together, what do you talk about? <laughs> in regard, well, to, the, it's, it's in really regard more... to the experience, because you're right, and one of the dangers we make is we assume that there's this monolithic Vietnam veteran when, in fact, the experiences were as different as all the people who went over yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's about fellowship and friendships, and some of what, you know, look, many of us are suffering certain, you know, whether it's post-traumatic stress, moral injury, mm-hmm. uh, Agent Orange, or any toxic exposure that we were uh, in front of when we were there, but... In our chapter meeting, every month, uh, every month we have one of our veterans stand up and talk. We they like to talk about that experience, because remember, less than three percent of the population has ever served in this country. So we talk about when we were there. We talked about what we did. We talk about that it was. It's nice being back, uh, and it's it's look. I, it, it, we get people that are lonely, and uh, you know the average age of a Vietnam veteran in this country is about sixty eight years old, and it goes up from there. So I, I think we just we, we just want fellowship and friendship. And we know how important it was for us to do what we did. We did what we had to do and what we were told to do. And we're glad we came back. And many of us did come back in one piece. And some of us are still suffering, still suffering, just from depression maybe. But there's a lot of resources, and we give that a lot of resources in order to be able to support that veteran. In fact, any veteran that we can support. We are talking about the Vietnam War. 
uh, here on No Limits in anticipation of the soon-to-be broadcast Ken Burns, Len Novak film about the war and its legacy, also in, t- in anticipation of the Indiana, Indiana Public Broadcasting Station's event, Salute, which features the Texas Tenors in honor of Vietnam veterans. If you want to join the conversation, please give us a buzz at 866-476-3881. Send us an email at nolimitswfyi.org. Find us on Facebook, No Limits WFYI, or on Twitter at WFYI. My guests are Vietnam veteran Ron Sukinik and IPBS event coordinator Barbara Duke-Sams. I'm John Kroll. Please stay with us. Good afternoon. You're listening to No Limits on 90.1 WFYI and WFYI.org. Made possible by your sustaining membership and by Mallow Run Winery and the Franklin Symphonic Council. Presenting the Indie Jazz Orchestra on the lawn Saturday, September 9th with a fireworks finale. This family-friendly event is open to all. More at MallowRun.com. And by Finley Creek Vineyards, a new event space in Zionsville now accepting bookings for weddings, corporate, and social affairs. Nestled on five acres of gardens. More at FinleyCreekVineyard.com. And by Sid Steele of Kroger, Gardas, and Regus. Working with employers and providers of high-stakes tests and examinations to evaluate and defend requests for accommodations under the Americans with Disabilities Act. More at KGRlaw.com. Send questions to No Limits via email at nolimits at wfyi.org. Welcome back to No Limits. I am John Crawl, Director of Franklin College's Pulliam School of Journalism, publisher of the StatehouseFile.com, and your host. We're talking today uh, about the Vietnam War. WFYI and all other PBS stations are going to be broadcasting soon the new Ken Burns, Len Novak film on the Vietnam War. Also, just in a few days, uh, in the Indiana Public Broadcasting Station's going to host an event called Salute that features the Texas Tenors in honor of Vietnam veterans. My guests are Ron Sukinik. He is vice president of the local chapter of Vietnam Veterans of America and IPBS marketing and event coordinator, also longtime member here of the WFYI family, Barbara Duke-Sams. If you want to join the conversation, you can do what a listener named Ron has done and give us a call at 866-476-3881. Ron, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Thank you, John. John. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Certainly. What's on your mind? I'm a uh, Vietnam era vet. I uh, joined the Air Force, figuring my chances when the draft was getting close. I joined the Air Force, figuring my chances of having to go to Vietnam were less. Uh, I had a brother who was in the uh, Marines at a much earlier date than myself, uh, and his entire platoon got orders to Vietnam. To a man, they refused to go, and they were sent elsewhere. Uh, I imagine their thoughts were the same as mine. They failed to see the sense of going to Vietnam and killing people, uh, and my thoughts were the same. Had I gotten orders to Vietnam, I probably would have ended up in Canada. But uh, my my concern is, and I, I appreciate the veterans, my my fellow veteran brothers. Uh, I have one in Michigan who currently suffers with PTSD on a nightly basis. I wrote a letter to a counselor for him to help him apply for disability to that effect. Uh, and he understands where I'm coming from, and I understand where he's been, and, and I watched his back, and he watched mine, and uh, that's, that's how we got along. Uh, my concern is the, the purpose of the Vietnam War and maybe perhaps the current wars in Afghanistan and elsewhere. Eisenhower warned about the military-industrial conflict, or complex, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems like we, we haven't learned the lesson. Uh, and I believe that's all Vietnam was about. I mean, I see, I see no other purpose except uh, I, I read currently online, and I assume this is correct, that Vietnam now has a, a gross national product for that country 
of $3 billion in petroleum. And I have to ask myself, is that why we were there? Thank you, John. Thanks very much for the call, Ron. Okay, the other Ron. Ron hey, Sikini. Ron. <laughs> By the way, Ron, thanks, thanks so much for the call. And uh, certainly from one veteran to another, we can never thank you enough. Number two, if you have a friend that's suffering from PTSD, uh, VVA, Vietnam Veterans of America, have veteran services off, or veteran service officers. Our job is to help your friend uh, with his claims with the VA or whatever they need. So please make sure you know how to reach us because we want to take care of veterans. Getting back to your con- your concept of what was the sense of the war, uh, again, it goes back to my take. My take was I was just there to, to serve my country. Uh, I never really got into the the, the politics of it. It seemed like it didn't make any sense, Ron. But, but again, I was 18 years old, so I, I did what I was told to do. In fact, I even had a friend of mine on the plane. We stopped in Hawaii, and he said to me, Ron, this is our chance to get off the plane and just go hang out in Hawaii for the rest of our lives. And I didn't do that. I suspect they would have found <laughs> it didn't you. Make, but, yeah, yeah, they would have found us. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but again, yeah. I um, look, nobody ever, as a veteran... I was a combat support guy. I went out there. We'd bring fuel to people yeah. that were fighting. I, you know, nobody wants. I don't think any veteran wants to go kill anybody. So, so again, I, I want to make sure that I, I thank you. I want to make sure we take care of your friend that's still suffering, so he gets the help he gets. Uh, and that's what the VVA is. Vietnam. We're just coming together to help one another get ahead. And that was fifty years ago. And the good news, Ron, is that that war doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, and that, that's we are actually talking during the break, and I think Ron's call help helps illustrate this. Uh, Barb, you know, those of us uh, who were alive then, and part of the reason I'm I'm trying to to put this in some context is you know that war is now far enough in the past that it, unless you are uh, <laughs> probably fifty or older, you're really not going to have any memories. Of the war, it's not it's not possible for you to remember Correct. that period now. So that means anyone who's under the age of fifty, uh, you know, in, in some ways, we might as well be talking about ancient Greece to them. Uh, what I'm trying to get, and I think what Ron, the caller Ron, was alluding to, is just how divided this country was. I mean, we were talking during the breaks. There were really two wars that were going on at that time. There was the war. That uh, that the two Rons were fighting, you know, at that time as part of the military, and there was a war about its meaning and what we were doing here in the streets, in in the United States. Barbara. And and I want to bring it back a little bit to the documentary because I think that's what the documentary does is it brings up all these wonderful questions that we have not addressed. And Ken Burns does a great job of doing that. Um, I, I just read, why is it called the American War in Vietnam? Well, that's that's a mm-hmm. whole another conversation to have. Um, and there are all kinds of questions like that that are going to come about as a result of the Ken Burns documentary. And so I'm I'm urging veterans and people who care about history and care about the United States and what we do now as well as what we did then to watch this documentary and learn and understand. You know, my 31-year-old daughter doesn't know what Vietnam War means, but she will after she watches this. What? Why is it that, you know, we have the... The treatment of the Vietnam veterans, which, you know, I try not to avoid. I try to avoid expressing opinions on this this show in this context. But on this one, I'll say the way we treated the Vietnam veterans was shameful. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is something that needed to be addressed. And I'm glad that uh, that we are doing that. And I'm glad at at some some uh, level, Ron, that for you and your fellow veterans, that that does have meaning and that. that we are helping now to make you feel appreciated. It, it, well, it, it does have me. Look, as human beings, we're like meaning-making yeah. machines. We make meaning out of everything. Mm. So I didn't attach that because nobody said thank you for your service or somebody spit on us or people hated the military. That, you know, That's their issues. It, it wasn't mine. The fact is there are Vietnam veterans that are still uptight about it. They just so these salutes that IPBS is doing and and public broadcasting is doing nationwide is and of course Ken Burns is is by far got to be the best guy out there to do as a director. Mm-hmm. But 
Uh, again, if anybody's listening to this, which I'm sure there are many, uh, if you have a chance to come out to this event uh, next Wednesday, which is the mm-hmm. 12th? 13th. 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 Uh, just to be with us and, and to, to stand in a moment of silence. You know, in the state of Indiana, mm-hmm. as I stated earlier, there were 50, 50 people still missing in action mm-hmm. or POWs. But that just makes us feel good. You know, as you get older, uh, you become somewhat more sensitive um, so, yeah, it feels good. It just feels good, John, to, to know that people appreciate it now better. But I think this is one of the things that the documentary is trying to Why has it been so difficult for us to, to talk about and to deal with Vietnam for so long? I mean, you know, in some ways that, you know, even Ken Burns here has, has, hasn't dealt with this. He took, he took on one of the other great wounds in the American experience with the Civil War. Um, but Great. Vietnam, in some ways, was was another civil war too. Why is it? Uh, you know, I'm going to ask because we got two different perspectives right. here. Uh, you know, the one who was watching the war here at home and the one who was fighting the right. war in Vietnam. I'll start with you, Barb. Well, for for one thing, you know, our attention was uh, when you were here was not on what was going on in Vietnam. You were thinking about going to the prom, or you were thinking about you know your next date, or going to the drive-in movies, or whatever, and and getting home by curfew because you had strict parents. And your parents, even though my dad was a World War II veteran, didn't talk to me about his experience in World War II. Nor did he bring up the Vietnam War. He just he put that flag out every chance he got, and he was very loyal, and he was very patriotic, and he was very proud of it. But it wasn't something we talked about around the dinner table. And so, you know, I missed missed that opportunity to kind of weigh in, even though I went down to Indiana University and I was in Dunmeadow at one point, you know, Mm -hmm. because I didn't really understand what was going on in Vietnam. We just, people said, you know, it's wrong. We shouldn't be there. We shouldn't be doing it. And and a bunch of us just went to Dunmeadow and not really understanding why we thought it was wrong. Now I have a better perception, thanks to the Ken Burns documentary, and I think people will too, of both sides, of mm-hmm. both sides and what was going on at that time. Ron, why do you think it, it is still such a gaping wound for well, us? No, nobody likes to talk about it. Um, I think about it. and mm-hmm. We had almost as many people drop on the battlefield during the Battle of Gettysburg than we had at, in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Remember, 58,000, approximately 724 people are listed on the wall. Um, Nobody wants to talk about it. Uh, nobody wants to. Some people have deep wounds and the way they mm. would treat it. And they, you know, the key to my happiness is, has always been in my forgiveness of things. So I don't, I, again, it's not like I'm wanting people to learn about what went on in Vietnam. We just want them to understand we did what we were told to do. All we did was get out and do what we were told to do. Serving the military is an honorable profession. Mm. Uh, today, there's an all volunteer army, and in those days, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. There was a draft. In fact, John, I met somebody about a month ago that told me he was an unsuccessful draft dodger. That's what he told me. I said, really? What do you mean by that? He says, well, I really didn't want to go. I didn't believe in it. Mm-hmm. And, but I had to go. Mm-hmm. And then he tells me that he felt he's better as a result of that experience. So, mm-hmm. you know, life, you know, we are who we are as a result mm-hmm. of where we've been and who we are and books we read, tapes we listen to and experiences we have. So I just converted it into a, a great experience. Uh, and again, I didn't go out killing people. Yeah. That was, but, I, but when people shot at me, I, I did shoot back. Mm-hmm. But it was only to keep their head down while I kept going. Yeah. The other people were there to take, it, to take the fight to them, and they're suffering even more. We are talking about the Vietnam War in anticipation, first, of uh, Indiana Public Broadcasting Station's um, salute featuring the Texas Tenors in honor of Vietnam veterans, and then the highly anticipated Ken Burns, Len Novick film uh, on the Vietnam War that's going to start airing in about a week and a half on WFYI's TV side and all PBS stations. If you want to join the conversation, you can send us an email at nolimits at wfyi.org. You can find us on Facebook at nolimitswfyi, on Twitter at wfyi, or you can do what a listener named John has done and give us a call at 866-476-3881. John, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. Certainly. What's on your mind? Well, I thought I'd say I'm a uh, college student right now at Indiana University Mm -hmm. um, studying history, and I guess kind of 
I'm concerned about what's going on down there in a real, I would say, uh, disrespect to the Vietnam veterans, real glorification of uh, the communists and the Viet Cong, and really, you know, we'll talk about the My Lai massacre, but they'll never talk about kind of the uh, bad deeds done on the other side. And I think um, I'll also point out that, you know, as someone who had family members who served and who told me about getting spit on, that they claim down there that no veterans from Vietnam were ever spit on. They say that that's not documented historically. There's no evidence and that that's a lie. And I think that that's concerning. And, uh, you know, I'll say, too, I, I think a lot of the where this conflict came from was the country's used to something like World War One, World War Two these big wars where there's battle lines and you capture cities and objectives. And uh, Vietnam was a different kind of war. It was, it was, uh, it, it wasn't, it was fighting an insurgency in a sense. And that that's harder for people to wrap their heads around. You know, you go capture a hill and then men die for it and then you leave and you don't hold on to it. And I think, um, I think as a, Ron mentioned, you know, more men, as many men drop in the Battle of Gettysburg. I mean, it is important to remember that it, it was all in all a very low-cost war. I mean, America, as Americans, we've never even had a million men killed in a war. Compare that to some of our allies and adversaries in the world wars. I mean, we really have compared, I mean, the Russians lost 80,000 men killed just to capture the city of Berlin at the very end of World War II. Something a lot of Americans don't even think about that battle. And, I mean, compare that to how many men we had killed in Vietnam. So I, I think really it's uh, it's disappointing the way a lot of people reacted to the war then. And now I think the anti-war movement, the hippies and all that, is one of the most shameful episodes in American history. And that's my opinion, and, okay. and I think it's being propagated in college today. Thank, thanks for having me. Certainly. Thanks for the call, John. Some of this, I mean, it, it, you know, it's odd. Ron and, and John are sort of on op- not the Ron in the studio, but the earlier caller, Ron, are on the opposite sides <laughs> of of this question. And, you know, there's a lot that we could unpack from that. I mean, we forget, and I think the place I want to take it to, and I'm assuming this is going to be part of the, the Burns-Novik documentary, too, is it wasn't the first unpopular war in America's history. I mean, uh, the uh, opposition to our entry into World War I was intense in in this country. I mean, when Woodrow Wilson said that we were fighting to make, make the world safe for democracy, critics on the other side would say, well, actually we're making the world, world safe for hypocrisy. <laughs> you know, um, there... And there were protests in the street, and we were throwing people into jail um, because of it. Uh, So uh, how much of this was a product also of the fact that this was the first war we could see in our living rooms? Because you got the TV, you know, the nightly newscast. That was my memory as a child is watching, uh, you know, the daily and getting the daily body counts um, from Vietnam via Walter Cronkite. Uh, How much of a a difference did it make that— that this was the first war really we could see at home. And and the documentary does a great job of showing that because they sh- actually show people watching the black and white TV in their living room and seeing what was going on in Vietnam, which, you know, it, that was the beginning of um, our current social media kind mm-hmm. of stuff where we knew immediately what was going on in the world and could see it and experience it. And so Ken Burns does a great job of covering that and the journalists that were there on the ground, actually, and showing their experiences. So the documentary does cover that kind of thing. And, and and it makes it, it makes you feel like you were back there experiencing mm-hmm. actually the Vietnam War, the sounds, the music, the the era that we were in, and and so uh, that's why I keep saying people, please watch it, please watch it, and mm-hmm. then have a conversation like we are here today about mm-hmm. what it meant to be a veteran and why they why they served and why they were doing what they were doing and what it meant to be back home watching it. What it meant to be alive at that time. No, yes. by the way, I do want to, John, thank you so much for, for calling in. In fact, an idea yeah. for you, I would love John to rally the entire history department at IU and Purdue and all these other colleges. Mm-hmm. Let's bring out these students to see what's going on. But uh, I'll tell you, you know, even when you're there, John, mm-hmm. um, 
You know, it's not like you, you think you're in a war. I mean, you hear sounds. Uh, yeah, I know you mentioned music. Uh, right. We did play music. Uh, yes. Bob Hope was nice to come out and mm -hmm. entertain troops. But the fact is, is that uh, when you're there, you're there. You don't think about it. And you're trained. You, you know, I felt I was well-trained, well-led, and very capable. We are talking about the Vietnam War today on No Limits. My guests are Ron Sukanek, who is uh, vice president of the local chapter of Sukanek of Vietnam Veterans of America. IPVS marketing and event coordinator Barbara Duke Sams is my other guest. If you want to join the conversation, please give us a buzz at 866-476-3881. Send us an email or check us out on social media. I'm John Kroll. Please stay with us. Good afternoon. You're listening to No Limits on 90.1 WFYI and WFYI.org. Made possible by your sustaining membership and by Eskenazi Health Orthopedics with physicians from the IU School of Medicine working alongside nurses to give patients the care they need. More at EskenaziHealth.edu. And by the Somerset CPAs and Advisors 51st Annual Penrod Arts Fair on the campus of the IMA, Saturday, September 9th. Tickets available at penrod.org. And by Nick Baker Law, reminding you to keep an eye out for traffic lights, motorcycles, and blind spots. More at 317-456-7889 or at injurylawindiana.com. You can send questions or comments to No Limits via social media. Find us on Facebook at No Limits WFYI. And we're on Twitter at WFYI. Or call 866-476-3881. Welcome back to No Limits. I am John Crawl, director of Franklin College's Pulliam School of Journalism, publisher of the StatehouseFile.com, and your host. We're talking about the Vietnam War uh, in anticipation of two events, one of them locally generated, and that is the Indiana Public Broadcasting Station's event, Salute, which features the Texas Tenors and honors Vietnam veterans. That is in anticipation itself of the... Uh, Unveiling of the new Ken Burns Lynn Novick film on the Vietnam War, which will start airing on WFYI's TV side and all PBS stations in about a week and a half. My guests are Ron Sukenik, he is the vice president of the local chapter of the Vietnam Veterans of America, and IPBS marketing and event coordinator Barbara Duke Sams. If you want to join the conversation, you can do what a listener named Chris has done and give us a call at 866-476-3881. Chris, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks uh, for taking my call. Certainly. What's on your mind? Well, in 1967, when Ron is talking about I was kind of on the opposite end of that spectrum. I was a, an active war resistor and protester. And I think the one thing I, I wanted to comment on was that from my perspective, it was never a struggle between the protesters and the serving men-at-arms. It was a struggle between the protesters and the government that was sending them to do things that were illegal and immoral. And I always, as much as I resisted the war, I affirmed the fact that the men my relatives and friends who were serving were doing what they believed was necessary to do, and it wasn't their fault that we were there. And I wanted to share that with Ron, that I heard the young man from IU say he never saw any, or someone said that there were no soldiers spit upon. I never saw a soldier spit upon. I certainly saw National Guardsmen spit on which I called people to task that I was involved in the protest with because that was totally uncalled for. The soldiers that were serving were not our enemies. Yeah, and thank you, Thanks Chris. very much for the call and for sharing that, Chris. Yeah, thank, yeah, thank you. you, Chris. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't... I don't know that we've ever thought that the protest, you know, look, there were some radical protesters. We got that. And when you're in the military and you protest, you get in trouble. 
So, you know, you, you're up there to uphold the Constitution. But, uh, no, I never really felt any, any, any issues with uh, protesters. Uh, I came across protesters, uh, but they were protesting against the government. So, again, uh, you know, I've been around a long time. It's not my first spring, mm-hmm. so to say. <laughs> Bottom line is, is that it's, it's just good that it's over. War is not good. Uh, you know, look at the world today. It's, it's, you know, but we've got a military that's well-trained, well-led, and very capable. So somebody has to protect. And there's only about a half a percent that protects the freedom for this country right now, which is fine. That, that's the strength we need. So thank you, Chris, and, and, it's, and it's nice to hear that. How much of the issue, and I, you know, Barb, I'm assuming you have seen the documentary. Mm-hmm. you got a sneak peek here. Do they deal with the sense also... Um, uh, that there was a class, you know, I mean, there, it, Vietnam War sort of walked along a whole lot of divides in our country, the racial divide, also the class divide, you know, I was old enough to remember, um, you know, what they would, what they would say that it was a rich man's war, but a poor man's fight, because, you know, for most of the war, if you could afford to go to college, and going to college was far less common in those days than it is today. If you could afford to go to college, you could get a deferment, and you wouldn't have to go. So that meant if your parents had some money and could afford to Well, during the Civil War, the same thing. If you had money, you could buy buy your way way out of the fight. fight. Yeah, you could buy. Well, and often that's been been the case. Does does the documentary explore that, that it, it, you know, in some ways the war was like perfectly calibrated to, to, you know, tear open every seam in this country? Well, and, and Ken Burns does an amazing job of covering both the Vietnam side and, and the American side as well. So he tells both sides of that story. And it's, it's, 10, it's 10 parts, 18 hours. So I got to tell you, I haven't watched all 18 hours. I've watched about an hour, which is an excerpt from each of the, of the, of the documentary parts. And it, he goes into that in terms of just telling the story and letting you sit there and watch and form an opinion based on what he's saying in there. So um, he, he tries to be fair and, you know, and, and let everybody know what was going on on both sides. The, the protesters, he shows the protest. There's a Dow Chemical protest that went on during that time. He shows that. Um, he shows Chicago. I mean, he does a great job of letting us know what was really going on as much as he could. We're talking about the Vietnam War here on No Limits. If you want to join the conversation, please send us an email at nolimits at wfyi.org. You can find us on Facebook at No Limits WFYI, on Twitter at WFYI, or you can do what yet another listener named John has done and give us a call at 866-476-3881. Oh, it looks like we... John, are you with us? Uh, looks like we lost the call. So I will go instead to Jeff... Jeff, you're on the air. Yes, thank you. Certainly. Uh, yes. Uh, I wanted to call in and add my voice to the conversation. Um, I was, I'm a Vietnam veteran. I was in the Navy for four years uh, in the early 70s. I spent about almost two years on an aircraft carrier off the coast of Vietnam. Uh, and, you know, my feeling about the Vietnam War, I, I feel the same way about it now that I did then. I was a draft, like a lot of people who were, in, I was in there serving within the Navy, um, we were draft-induced enlistments. In other words, uh, we were people who wouldn't have gone in the uh, military if we hadn't, if we hadn't uh, had the draft hanging over our heads. And so uh, I was going to be drafted, and so I uh, chose to go in the Navy basically just because I didn't want to go to Vietnam and, and fight against and shoot, shoot at people and, have, and be shot at. Uh, in a place where, in a war where I didn't think we had any business being there. And uh, so, really, when people come up to me and say, say, now, 40 years later, say, thank you for your service, I have, I have very ambivalent feelings towards the whole thing uh, because um, I didn't think it was a just war. Uh, I didn't think I, uh, I didn't think it was a just war then. I, I, I'm even more sure now that it wasn't a just war and that we shouldn't have been there. So uh, that's basically my. And by the way, where I came when I got out of the Navy in 1974, uh, I had a very different experience. I, I didn't um, I didn't encounter any kind of uh, getting spat on or, or anything like that. Uh, I had a very warm reception back uh, with the the people when I came back uh, got out of the Navy. 
So that that's my story. Jeff, before before I let you go, because we've talked about uh, about this, and one of the things I wanted to spell out of this conversation is the idea that there was only one Vietnam experience <laughs> that everyone who served is is entitled to his or her own experience um, and feelings. So, and Ron here in the studio has talked about how there are still Vietnam veterans who have lingering feelings, um, you know, doubts, concerns. You know, you say that being thanked for your service creates ambivalent feelings for you. What would mean something to you? What is something some someone could say to you that would have meaning? You mean instead of uh, thank you for your service? Yeah, yeah, something that would honor your experience in a way that... Because well, it sounds like you are you, you were morally conflicted about the choice you had to make. It was not to be honest with one. you. I can't. I often when people say that on Veterans Day or whenever, uh, I I don't I don't think it's an experience that deserves honor. To be very honest with you, uh, because uh, I was I was there under duress, and uh, I wasn't fighting. Uh, against any enemy that, you know, the Vietnam, Vietnam was never, the Vietnamese were never a threat uh, to the United States. It was a very different kind of situation than compared to, let's say, to World War II. Uh, and so I just, and I know there were a lot of other people uh, in, uh, of my uh, friends who were, uh, have been, who were there in kind of the same circumstances I was because they were going to be drafted, and so they opted to go. Uh, maybe some people opted to go into the Air Force. I had friends who opted to go to Canada. Uh, um, and I had some friends who opted to go to Vietnam, too, in the Army, and a couple of them didn't come back. So uh, I think uh, I'm very conflicted when people say thank you for your service because uh, I don't feel like it's, I did anything that's that's worthy of being thanked for. Well, I guess I, uh, I will say this, Jeff, before we we let you go, and then I want to hear Ron's thoughts as well. Uh, and that is, I just wish you peace with whatever uh, it is. You know, at the end of the day, you were a very young man who had to make a difficult choice, and I hope no, you I, make I, some I peace with peace that. with it, uh, but uh, it's it, it it does. Overall, but uh, because it's something I did, I was a young man, I had to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I'm at peace with it overall, and uh, it's just it, sometimes, like at, around Veterans Day, um, I get some very conflicted feelings when people come up to me and slap me on the back and say, Thank you for your service. Well, uh, thank you for the call. I hope you don't feel conflicted by me saying that. And thank you for sharing your experience, because I, I do think that that is part of the healing process for this country and for, for anyone who went through that experience. Thank you for calling in, Jeff. Okay. I do appreciate it. Take care. Ron, you've alluded to this, too, that when they get up and talk, there are, you know, there are still people 50 years after the fact who have conflicted feelings um, about this. As you know, someone who shared the experience, even if you don't necessarily share the feelings, how do you react to them? Good question. Um, you know, if you change the way you see things, the things you look at change. So, yeah. uh, Jeff, thank you for calling. I, I love what you said. Uh, I, I will tell you that I feel like serving in our military is an honorable profession. And when people come up and say thank you for your service, uh, it's what they want to do. They want to thank me for my service. So I I, 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 I bow down a little bit, uh, you know, because to me, I know it's a privilege to serve this country. So for me, I, and I'm not sure that I'm answering your question, John. I, I mean, think about yeah. it. Look, uh, Ken Burns is coming out with 18 hours and 10 parts. Yeah. The average, <laughs> the average, average Vietnam veteran that spent one full year was 8,760 hours. Yeah. That's how much time we put in of our life. And we might as well make that a, an okay experience. You, you know, my political and 58, views then. 58,000 of them didn't come home. Yeah, too, yeah so. 58. No, they came home, but they came came home in bits boxes, and pieces yeah. or in boxes. And yeah. they're on the wall. So that's not a good thing. In fact, my wife walked by it, and she couldn't even complete the wall because it's sad. It's sad. And mm-hmm. we're going to bring that wall back into central Indiana in 2018. But uh, all I can say is that I, I just love what uh, – 
public broadcasting is doing. We appreciate the salute. All you're going to do is help Vietnam veterans feel good. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I, even though I'm plugging this event mm-hmm. next week, uh, it, it's never going to get boring when somebody says thank you, and we can never thank you enough. We are talking about the Vietnam War here on No Limits. If you want to join the conversation, you can do what a listener named Rita has done and give us a call at 866-476-3881. Rita, welcome to the program. And we can never thank you enough. We are talking about the Vietnam War. Rita, could I get you to turn your radio off because uh, we're getting the delay. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. What's on your mind? Well, I, I listen with interest uh, to the young man who was a at IU because when I was a student at IU, I sat one night while they called the first date in the lottery for the draft in a room full of young men who were college students, and each time a number matched someone's birthday in the room, they got up and left very quietly. So I think it's hard to understand what we went through. It's easy sometimes to to uh, rewrite it later. I was a protester. I marched on Washington. I We couldn't vote. That's another thing this young man needs to understand. We 18 and 19 and 20-year-olds could not vote. But these boys were being sent to war. So our protest wasn't against the young men that I went to school with. They were against the people in a position of authority who decided to send these kids off to war without a voice. And now I'm with a Vietnam veteran, I have been for 17 years, who at 73 cannot talk about it still. He was a helicopter pilot, and he cannot talk about what he saw and what he lived through because of the way these veterans were treated when they came back. So I think we we have to be a little more understanding of what happened in that time period. Thank you very much for calling and sharing that, Rita. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Rita, thank you so much uh, for calling in. By the way, I want to make a suggestion with your 73-year-old Vietnam veteran that can't talk about it. I don't know. I I think one of the best therapies for him would be to to go to a VVA chapter meeting. Uh, I mean, mean, because all we do is we're together. We've all had similar experiences. And sometimes our ability to to be with fellow veterans that have that same experience makes it easier. Uh, and if it's okay, John, if I can oh, say sure. this, uh, we meet the second Wednesday of every Show's month. Show's called No Limits for yeah, a No reason. Limits. No, but okay. we're not meeting the second <laughs> Wednesday of this month because we're going to be at the salute. <laughs> okay. So we had to move our meeting. But we meet over on Fort Bend. Uh, uh, if it's okay, if I can. Do you have a URL or someplace where? Uh, yeah, we can we go have get the a. We just happen to have one of those. VVA two ninety five dot org or dot com. VVA two ninety five dot org org dot or dot com. And if anybody even wants to call me, they're welcome to. Can I put that yeah, out? Go no ahead. limits. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm right here in in the fine uh, city of Indianapolis. Three one seven six nine six one three six seven. And I'll tell you, for $20 a year, uh, your friend that you've been with for 17 years can maybe get better because we understand one another. Well, and how many how many members of the we chapter? We have 260 members. Our chapter is named after Samuel Davis, who's one of our members that is one of 75 living recipients for the Medal of Honor. So he's the only one in the state of Indiana, Samuel Davis. And every once in a while, Sammy shows up if he's not out doing what he does as a, uh, a Medal of Honor recipient. But we meet every month, and we have social activities. Uh, we don't smoke. We don't drink. We don't. It's none of those kind of places. Mm-hmm. It's just a place to sit and talk, and, and if it gets too hot, it reminds us of Vietnam <laughs> because it was hot. And, Barb, real, real quickly, because we're getting close on time, the logistics for the, uh, the salute on Wednesday. It starts at 730 at the Marat Theater. Um, information's available at ipbssalute.eventbrite.com. And another URL I want to encourage people to go to is the pbs.org slash Vietnam uh, PBS to talk about the documentary, especially after you see it, and to talk about the things that are in the questions that are being brought up and the things we've discussed today. I encourage everybody to, to submit questions on that on that website as well. Well, that'll have to be the last word. I'd like to, this hour flew by. I feel like we could have done another hour on <laughs> yes. this. Yes. I'd like to thank, thank my you. guests. 
Ron Sukenik and uh, Barbara Duke-Sams for what's been a lively conversation. also like to thank our listeners for some great questions and comments for sharing their stories. We're going to be back here on Tuesday when we're going to be talking about forgiveness. I am John Crawl. You've been listening to No Limits. Thank you for joining us. No Limits is a production of 90.1 WFYI Public Radio, Indianapolis. Producer, Shannon Cagle. Interactive Media Coordinator, Scott McAllister. Technical Producers, Cedric Freeman and Chris Flood. And Board Engineer, Joe Hatcher. No Limits is made available through IPBS, Indiana's public broadcasting stations. been listening to No Limits on 90.1 WFYI and WFYI.org. The program is made possible by your sustaining membership and by Lake City Bank, with local bankers providing checking, savings, and loans, along with the technology to manage them 24-7. Details at lakecitybank.com slash personal. And by the Indie Jazz Fest, 10 days all around town September 14th through September 23rd, featuring artists Tony Monaco, Jane Monheit, and Kirk Whalem. Tickets and showtimes at IndieJazzFest.net. Don't forget you can sign up for No Limits email topic alerts at WFYI.org slash No Limits. Stay tuned. Here and now is next on 90.1 WFYI for your information. You're listening to WFYI-FM Indianapolis, simulcast in partnership with Indiana State University and Franklin and Wabash Colleges on WISU-FM Terre Haute, WFCI-FM Franklin, and WNDY-FM Crawfordsville. Funding for Here and Now comes from MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink software, accelerating the pace of engineering and science. Learn more at MathWorks.com. From NPR and WBUR Boston, I'm Robin Young. I'm Jeremy Hobson. It's Here and Now. Coming up, Coastal...